0: I'm Selena Scardina. I'm the executive vice president of external engagement at the IEDC.
1: And I'm Nathan Brown, and I'm the manager of public relations at the IEDC. You're listening to Indiana for the Bold, a podcast by the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, bringing you the boldest stories of the people who are building the economy of the future right here in Indiana. In today's episode, my co-host, Selena Scardina, had the privilege of sitting down with David Rosenberg, Secretary of Commerce for the state of Indiana, to discuss economic development and the bold initiatives shaping the state's future.
2: I truly think over the next decade, Indiana can be the place to do business with kind of just the macroeconomics worldwide, the reshoring, the modernization, the continued tensions we see across the world. Companies are looking for that secure domestic supply chain and production that Indiana can provide.
1: From unprecedented investment in rural communities and record-breaking capital investment across the state, Secretary Rosenberg will share his insights on the state's economic growth and the untold success stories that are positioning Indiana for economic prosperity. I can't wait for you to hear this episode, so let's just dive right in.
0: David, tell us a little bit about becoming Secretary of Commerce, how you got to this role and what you do day to day.
2: Yeah, it's been a great ride. You know, I started my career uh, with Mayor Greg Ballard here at the City of Indianapolis and um, truly learned under his incredible leadership and the team that he built. People are still making an impact all across the city and state um, and really driving the state forward. After Mayor Ballard decided not to run for a third term, I joined Indianapolis Public Schools under Dr. Faraby during the time of uh, a lot of change for the district to move to Innovation Network Schools, really looking at the operations, how it could be more efficient and drive. Uh, dollars back into the classroom to teach kids and and educate kids. Um, And after Dr. Faraby took a job as a superintendent in Washington, D.C., I joined a a small lobbying consulting firm and was very happy there doing the the day-to-day work and never thought I'd come back to to state government, but got the opportunity under uh, Secretary Chambers as he was becoming Secretary of Commerce, really looking at what the the new vision and, and strategy of the state should be. Really going to get the economy we wanted and not, not just waiting to see what economy would come to us and what businesses would call us. And so it's been a great uh, over two years now and, and stepped into this role as secretary in August of 2023. And so the day-to-day is, is never the same depending on what's going on, but we've been able to really instill a great vision, a great strategy, create and grow a great team um, that has bought into that vision and strategy. And I think the, the historic results have uh, spoken for themselves.
0: So, what is it about the IEDC today versus years ago that's different in terms of going after those economies that we want? I mean, we talk about that, but really, what does it look like? I mean, I always thought business at government level was pretty transactional, but it sounds like it's not.
2: And I think every leader comes along uh, at the right time and when they're supposed to. And and Secretary Chambers was exactly the leader that the IEDC and the state needed when he came on board. And you know, after COVID, with all the reshoring and modernization and a lot of the geopolitical tensions uh, you know, around the world, companies are looking for that domestic supply chain, that domestic production. And so with, with Brad and our team uh, setting that strategic vision to go get the economy we wanted, going to get those industries we knew would set the state apart for the next 30, 40, 50 years in a time where they were looking to come to the U.S., not wanting to locate on the coast because of high costs, you know, lack of workforce, but really focusing on the Midwest and those southeastern states. That's really been our competition. So uh, I think part of it was having that strategic vision and, and that very um, you know aggressive focus. Part of it was also luck and just the time that we were after COVID and, and with the geopolitical macroeconomic changes that were going on. We were able to really lean into that and fit that need of the market to be able to move at the speed of business, have a great workforce, have great educational institutions, great corporate leaders, and really attract more than our fair share. Moving forward, that's going to be even more important. You know, I think there's still um, nearly $2 trillion of capital worldwide that's looking for a place to land. And thanks to the leadership of Governor Holcomb, leadership of the legislature and and working with us to give us the tools that we need, I think we can go get more than our fair share over this next decade. And for a state like Indiana, you know, we need to make those right investments now that will pay off decades down the line. But we can really lean in, get more than our fair share and make sure our future focused economy and our, our talent here. Um, has the careers that that will keep them in the state.
0: Talk a lot about careers and being in the state. In our jobs, um, mine and yours, we get to travel throughout the state. And when you're traveling through rural Indiana or big cities and you're meeting the people and the workforce and the businesses, what are a couple of those key attributes that you think sets Indiana apart from other states? It's a pretty amazing place, and we know it because we're here. But if you had to translate this to somebody Who's never been to Indiana? What do you learn and what do you know about this state that's important?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm an Indiana guy through and through. Was born down in Jeffersonville, uh, grew up on the south side of Indy, went to undergrad and and law school down in Bloomington. And so uh, I've seen a, mo- a lot of parts in the state. And in this job, traveling around, I've certainly continued to meet more people doing incredible things um, throughout all of Indiana. And I think you know, Indiana, the Hoosiers we're just hard workers. We're good people. We wake up every day. We want to do a good job. We want to go back home to our families. And so I think, you know, that humility is something that we'll talk about and, and that we need to change. But I think that's also what makes us great and what makes Indiana such an attractive place to, to live, work, study, stay, grow a family. Um, and that's that's really my focus. I have two young ones and another on the way. And, you know, I wake up every day thinking, how can we create that economy and those careers that are in demand, that are searching for young talent. And also, how do we create those places where people want to live and continue to develop communities through programs like Ready and our redevelopment tax credits and other things so that, you know, when my kids graduate college or do whatever they're going to do, they have the opportunities to choose to, to continue to invest in Indiana and get all the benefits from the state that, that I've been provided.
0: It's interesting. You talk a lot about your family and they're young and I have children that are much older. And When we moved to Indiana 10 years ago, I remember the children saying, well, we're going to have to leave Indiana when we're out of college. And interestingly now, one is a homeowner and the other one can't see herself leaving Indiana. So it makes it very special. I've also heard that if you have a dream in Indiana, just say it out loud and somebody in Indiana will help you kind of achieve that. It's kind of an interesting word that we chose to describe economic development, bold. What's bold about what we're doing and... What do you want others to know about kind of this bold approach that you're leading now?
2: Absolutely. Indiana's been on a historic run, unprecedented economic momentum in the state. You know, In the last 18 months, we've been named the number one place to start a business by Forbes. We've had $33 billion of new committed CapEx in just the last six quarters. That's a a number that normally would have taken us six years to achieve. We've been able to do in six quarters. And the great part about that is it's happening all across the state. Half of that investment is in urban areas and half is in rural and mixed rural areas. The even better part about that investment is it's bringing those high wage careers uh, that Hoosiers really care about and and we're talking you know wages over the us. national average that's, that's putting more money in pockets and creating that that generational change. The other bold part about that um, investment is that it's bringing new industries to the state. You know 18 months ago, we didn't have any semiconductor facilities in the state, and now we have seven. We've boldly launched the, the LEAP Innovation Research District in Lebanon, something that the state has never done before, and that, that is competing against not only cities in the U.S. like Nashville and Scottsdale and Raleigh and others, um, but also cities internationally that are all competing for these type of industries that we're trying to lean into. And obviously, we had the, the cornerstone of, of LEAP with Eli Lilly's $3.7 billion investment uh, there back in April. The largest single-site manufacturing investment Eli Lilly has made in their over 100-year history, the largest uh, deal that the IDC has ever done, and um, you know, on the day of the announcement, Dave Rick said without the Leap Vision and, and the investment from the state, Lilly likely would not have located in the state, and so that's been a a huge bold move. We're also the number four um, state for new clean energy under production with a 13,000-acre solar farm in Northwest Indiana by Mammoth Solar but so many other things that are going on that drive that as well. So the energy transition, Indiana is boldly leading in. We're also one of three states to win all three of the federal uh, designations as terms of hubs. So we had the ME Commons, the Hydrogen Hub, and the Tech Hubs designation as well. Again, one of three states, so boldly moving into that future. And then last, you know, we've invested like never before in our community development cities and towns across the state. And so the state's putting nearly a billion dollars behind the Ready programs, Ready One and Ready Two. And that's expected to leverage over $20 billion of outside investment from other public, private, and philanthropic uh, organizations. And I can tell you another state is putting $20 billion into community investments that's gonna drive population growth and create that quality of place where people wanna live. So when you look at business development, when you look at federal engagement, when you look at community investments, attracting and retaining talent, growing our population, we are boldly leading on many, many fronts and doing things that no other state is doing.
0: Well, you shared a lot of stats around what we're doing and a lot of that has the billions with it, et cetera. But now if you break that down and what that means for me, I'm a, let's say a college graduate, you said a lot of terrific things that are happening. Break that down for me. What does that mean for me as the individual either starting my career or deciding what to do next? Talk about my wage or my ability to have a cost of living like i don't know if we realize that this is very real right now in the state what does uh, that look like
2: yeah absolutely and it's a it's a true win win because you get to take advantage of all the built-in uh, advantages that indiana can bring cost of living the great place to do a business the low regulatory environment you can own a home with a yard and and grow into it you're not you know in a 500 square foot apartment somewhere on the coast but you can actually Take advantage of all those things while at the same time with these recent wins, being able to have a career that's fulfilling and meaningful and you could see yourself working in for 30, 40, 50 years. You could have a, a community and in, in a region that has all the amenities of any other big city or place that you could want to live. And so doing both of those things, obviously having the, the built-in environment that we've been able to, um, as a state, hone in on, on a great place to live, low cost of living. But having those quality of places that people want to live and and grow their family into, but also having those meaningful jobs, those jobs that will be around for several decades in the future is the win-win part of this for keeping more talent into the state.
0: Yeah, I think you nailed it. Whatever your version of the American dream is, if you want to start a business, if you want to work for one of the top 10 companies in the world like Eli Lilly, if you want to work for the orthopedic capital of the world like Mm. If you want to work on life sciences or EVs, like we have all of that here, you just have to kind of define what you want. And I think that's what's been bold about this. You know, when we talk about this idea of investing in our future and doing things that are bold, uh, maybe that have not been done before in our state, the LEAP District comes up uh, near Lebanon and specifically, I'd love to know why you all decided this would be a great opportunity to build out the LEAP District. So tell us a little bit about the LEAP District, how it came to fruition, and what the vision is for uh, Indiana's uh, development district.
2: Absolutely. So when Brad Chambers came in, I joined him shortly after, you know, one of the first projects that landed on our desk was the Intel uh, project, almost $20 billion that ended up in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, why I think you know, we and the team gave it a great run. It was clear that Indiana was not ready for for a project of that size or scope. We didn't have the we didn't have the tools. We didn't have the land. Um there was a lot that uh, just the state wasn't ready for because we had never never had to be in that that batters box before. But what I'm really proud of is thanks to the leadership of Governor Holcomb, the incredible leadership of the legislature, you know we have been able to develop those tools. We've been able to lean into things like, like leap and have that land ready and what that means for the market is that speed is the new incentive and so we have the tools we have the land we have the ability for them to make that investment and get a return on that investment uh even sooner which is almost more important to them than anything else it's workforce and speed that are two biggest uh drivers for where they make their investments as as they're looking to locate and so you know Boone County was a uh, almost a no-brainer at that point you know throughout the site searches and different things, Boone County continued to rise to the top in terms of desirable locations for companies. You have an expanding population. You're right on 65, right in the middle of uh, what has now been coined the hard tech corridor between Purdue University and the talent pipeline that's coming out of there. And then the population center of, of Indianapolis, 30 minutes from the airport, you have rail, you have highway, you have all the amenities, you have all the talent that you need to really grow. And so part of that uh was going out and ensuring that we had land uh you know under contract we have not purchased ten thousand acres, but we have about ten thousand acres under option and leap will develop as the market demands and continue to expand as more and more interest shows you know I think again in a silo without anything else, getting Eli Lilly and their three point seven billion dollar investment in leap is a huge win and and you know could close the books on it and we'd say it's a success but it's it's truly they want to be around other like minded companies have that innovation those ideas the workforce, you know, all in one place. And when you look at that hard tech quarter, you, you can really have it all. Again, Purdue in the north, the new IU Purdue campus in Indianapolis um, here down in down in the capital city with 16 tech and others around it. And so, you know, LEAP was not created to compete against other Indiana cities. You know, we're looking at 500 acre plus sites at LEAP and, and those mega developments. So it is not a direct competition to to other cities or, or those economic development strategies. In fact, We've steered projects away from Leap because they were not a good fit, and have sent them to other places around the state that are much better fits for, for the community and the vision of those communities. Uh, but it's really designed to compete against, um, you know, really international cities that are looking at these mega deals. Um, in addition to places like Raleigh and Austin and, and you know uh, Nashville and other places that are going after these.
0: So what's interesting is you talk a lot about large-scale projects and large events throughout the state and, and mega events and deals, but there's something special about Indiana, and that's a lot of our rural communities, our small towns. I know you and I specifically have gone to Goshen, and we've spent time in smaller cities, and there's just something special about the communities. So tell us a little bit about this balance and blend we have in Indiana between larger cities, smaller towns and this connectedness piece that you see.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really important to me. In fact, I, I drafted an op-ed post a week or two ago that was, you know, Indiana can and is doing both. We can go get those multi-billion dollar investments, and we are, and they get a lot of the headlines, rightfully so. But we're also making those historic, unprecedented investments into rural communities and seeing those rural communities really take the leadership role and in, in getting that business development, community, community development those wins that that have never been achieved before, and so we can we can do both at the same time: get those multi-billion-dollar wins, but invest in places that haven't seen investment from the state in many, many years. And across Indiana, um, you know there are there are numerous stories of huge successes that are happening both on the business development front. You know, I think it was in Union County that got their first uh, state invested deal in almost 30 years, and the governor went, and it was a great event uh, with the company. Um, But also when you look at Ready and over $100 million has been invested from Ready 1 into rural communities. And we expect to even see that tick up in Ready 2. We've had investments in broadband and trails uh, with our small business development centers. We're working with hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs daily across the state and rural areas to really set up those those companies and have them hire the local people and really reinvest in those economies. And so across the state and all 92 counties, we've seen uh, really historic investments and historic successes, not only for those big deals that get all the headlines, but for the day-to-day uh, economy that really drives the state. At the end of the day,
0: I think you mentioned something important that we should emphasize. You know, ready one and ready two in what that means in the billions in terms of private and philanthropic match. But when you go to the actual ribbon cuttings and you get to see some of the YMCA's and the job training and the daycares and the trails and the parks and you see the communities that are rallying behind this, these these 17 kind of areas of the state have decided what was important to them. It could be broadband. It could be mm-hmm. a new park, a new trail. That's kind of ownership and community involvement. We've seen a kind of advantage of working with Ready. Tell me about how these communities have worked together for their applications and brought everyone kind of closer together.
2: Without question. And that's where we've really seen the The success and when projects do well, it's that ground up approach. It's buy in from the local level, partnering with the state and bring the resources to bear to to attract either a business or to attract the investment into the community. And so ready one um, region self-selected into 17 different regions uh, of like minded folks who wanted to really focus on what was important to them in that regional aspect. And so it could have been parks. It could have been entrepreneur space. It could have been investments into uh, infrastructure for housing. It really ran the ran the gamut. And I think what's really critical is that to your point, it wasn't the heavy hand of the state coming down saying do XYZ project, but truly the regions having to put, you know, maybe their their own um, focus or or their priorities aside for what was best as a region and, and where they could get the most funding so that they could get that money there and start to invest in the region to grow it out. And I think, you know, like you said, almost twenty billion dollars expected to be leveraged between ready one and ready two. But I still think the ultimate legacy of the Ready program will be um, that that regional collaboration, that regional partnership. So whether it's in the future, they're going after a, a deal with a company, whether they're going after federal funds or a federal program, they already have that base there where they don't have to restart. They know what the focus is of the region, what the priorities are, and how those different opportunities can fit within there.
0: Pretty incredible, Secretary. So I'll ask you one last question. What's next for Indiana?
2: Indiana has a very bright future, and making those investments now uh, that we may not see a return on in the next few years, but will pay off in you know the next twenty or thirty years, I think, is really key. And so, when we look at a lot of these business development deals, or the you know the federal designations with Emmy Commons or Hydrogen Hub or Tech Hub, um, the workforce, looking at supply and demand of the workforce, and how do we ensure we have the right number of employees trained in the right areas to meet the growing careers and fields that we see on a daily basis, you know, I think. Having the, the right-minded folks with from the governor's office to legislature to the IDC making those investments now uh, for the greater good long-term, Indiana has a very bright future and runway.
0: So we've been recently ranked one of the best places to work. And I think of all of the state agencies, I think there's close to 70, we're probably number five. A lot of this is your leadership and your vision, but if you could talk to residents of the state that are thinking about what's next or what the future looks like. I heard that fortune favors the prepared. I know it also favors the bold. What's some final thoughts you'd like to leave us with in terms of what you want others to know about the state of Indiana and economic development?
2: I truly think over the next decade, Indiana can be the place to do business for a lot of the factors I mentioned uh, with kind of just the macroeconomics worldwide, the reshoring the modernization, The continued geopolitical tensions we see across the world, companies are looking for that secure domestic supply chain and production that Indiana can provide. You know, manufacturing is in our DNA. Logistics is in our DNA. We have a great regulatory environment, low cost of doing business. We have great research and education institutions and, and development. And so I think you put all those ingredients into the pot and stir it up, there's no place that, that's going to be able to compete with Indiana if we continue to make the, the right investments and have that focus now. There's a, there's a of that can change quickly over, over the next few years, and so we need to keep a laser focus on how do we continue to grow and expand those economies of the future, attract that talent and workforce of the future. And continue to make Indiana a very welcoming and inviting place to, to do business.
0: Do you think we have an untold story here in Indiana?
2: I think we have a very untold story. And part of that was the, the humble Hoosier moniker. If there's one thing I could change about us and our residents, it's, it's getting rid of that, that humbleness because there is so much going on. And I think, um, you know, with the push that, that we've seen from a lot of our partners here in the state, the ability to tell that story, to attract the business, to continue to attract and retain that talent. Uh, It's a great message that is just starting to get out here more and more recently, and we're going to continue to push the envelope because there's so much that is happening across the entire state.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much, Secretary Rosenberg. I appreciate the time with you today on our podcast, Indiana for the Bold.
1: Thank you for listening to Indiana for the Bold. For more information about what we do at the IEDC and to subscribe to our monthly newsletter, go to forthebold.com. And as always... Stay bold, Indiana.